your sneakers on, no pads, here we go. Here's how you grip a four seam. Here's how you get into the fielding triangle. Here's how you catch the ball with two hands. Here's how you get on a baseball knee. Here's how you talk about the game, like a warm up. A, and next thing you know, I was like, dude, this is, we got something here. Mm-hmm. So then we wrote the book, taking on the title of coach. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show, The Determined Society, where today I have the privilege of introducing Coach Duke Baxter. He has over four decades of baseball experience. His knowledge is deeply rooted in all aspects of the game. He is a former professional baseball player who has received numerous awards and accolades, both as a collegiate and professional athlete. Today, Coach Duke dedicates his career to developing athletes at the Zone Sports Academy, the training facility he founded and through his books and videos with Dominate the Diamond. His approach to coaching is inspiring, motivating, and fun and humble, which in my humble opinion, it is what the youth and sports need today. Everybody, welcome my new friend, Duke Baxter, to the show. What's up, homie? Sean, thanks so much, man. So excited. I see so much of your stuff on social media. Love the conversations that you're having. I figured, man, this is this is going to be a blast. Dude, I got goosebumps right now. I haven't talked to another baseball guy on the show in so long. And I'm like, literally goosebumps. It's so exciting because uh, before we were recording, uh, and this is for the audience, I asked him, you know, where do you play his college ball? And he told me University of North Florida. Right away, we knew the same people. Good old Dusty Rhodes, Smoke Laval, my boy Jed, uh, Judd Loveland. So, man, just like what a small world. It's like, it, it, and when you do talking about baseball, it's like, it's like a fraternity, right? It's like, once you're in, you're in, you know, but yeah. it's almost like once you're out of playing, you feel like it's like your boys are gone until you, you go somewhere and you're like, holy cow, everybody knows everybody. It's, it's just so, it's such a, it's such a small, but yet big world, right? It's, it's, dude, it's, it is, it is. It's a big world, but a very small circle. And it's funny because I'm sitting here in the first minute and 48 seconds having this conversation with you. And I'm like, holy shit, my audience is going to feel a different fucking energy from me. Yeah, yeah. And then they're going to really get to know who I am. Right. Cause they think they know, right. But they haven't seen me talk to another high energy baseball guy. It's been a lot of, you know, online celebrity entrepreneurs, you know, big people, but you know, when I, when I'm able to get down to my roots, this is what really excites me. Um, and the one thing that I love about your content is even before you and I started, I think I found you, uh, through my boy, Vic Ferrante and, um, you know, he and I connected randomly. He just saw a post of mine and then we realized like, dude, we grew up in the the same backyard. You know, he's from the Bay area. I'm from the Bay area. And, um, you know, then you come along and I love your instructional videos. You know, I, the first one I saw is how to get through a ground ball, pre-step movement, how to break down all that good stuff. And what I realized is like, man, this guy's just not talking platitudes out there. Like a lot of, like a lot of people do, right. Um, you really dive into the development aspect of these athletes and dude, it fires me up. So, you know, that sets you apart. So talk to me about that, man. Talk to me about your business and what you're seeing out there with young athlete development these days. You know, I think it's really interesting because when we first started it in 2002, I was still playing ball, just got finished. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, like, what am I going to do? Like, what do I want to do for a living? Right. I want to mm-hmm. always want to be in the big leagues and be like, oh, I want to be a big leaguer. I want to. And then all of a sudden you get you play professional baseball and you're like, you're already looking to level up. It's like everything that we do, we're always like looking to get to the next level. And for me, only making it to the big leagues was my next level. And then all of a sudden baseball's over and you're like, who am I? Right. Like 
who am I now? I'm Duke Max or the, the baseball player. But now all of a sudden you're, you're taking the word baseball player out. Now it's like, okay, now who's Duke Baxter. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I loved playing. I knew I loved coaching every summer, you know, we'd come back and I would do camps and clinics and help kids. And I'm like, this is what I love doing. So how can I take what I know and have a passionate about and in the game and can continue and give back. So we created zoned. Uh, it's a 28,000 square foot place in Bridgewater, New Jersey. The Somerset Patriots are two miles away. So a bunch of my buddies, we all came here and started giving lessons, doing classes, just like so many people do out there. And then it just kept on growing. So this mm -hmm. year's our 20th year that we've been here. No, now we have scholarships, we have teams, we have, you know, but in the process, I realized how many coaches are coaching, but they don't know how to coach. You know, you'd be shocked that last winter we had 110 guys at our coaches clinic and I'm like, Oh, how many of you played high school ball? How many of you played little league? And I'm like, how come no one's raising their hands? Like there's like half of the coaches. And I'm like, how many guys? And I never asked this question. How many guys never coached before or, or played before half of the guys raised their hands. They've never touched a baseball before. And I'm like, Okay at the grassroots of the game, if we're trying to get these five, six, seven-year-old T-ballers to love the game of baseball, how are we doing it with people that have never touched a baseball? And well, we that's where you come in. Guys, <laughs> and we know as baseball guys, it's hard enough to coach the game if you know what you're doing when yeah. you have 12, six-year-olds. How, how is a person that's never even touched a ball going to do it? So we started doing coaches. because I'm like, okay, guys, guess what? Notepads on the ground. Here's a bunch of gloves. Put your sneakers on, notepads. Are, here we go. Here's how you grip a four seam. Here's how you get into the fielding triangle. Here's how you catch the ball with two hands. Here's how you get on a baseball knee. Here's how you talk about the game, like a warm up. A, and next, you know, I was like, dude, this is, we got something here. Mm -hmm. So then we wrote the book, taking on the title of coach, because it's like a step by step guide to how to talk about the game, how to wear the uniform, different words to say, how to give a post game speech right? How to, how to create a practice plan. So all those things that coaches didn't even know, like these are just moms and dads. They don't even call themselves coaches yet because they're not coaches. They're moms or dads coaching T-ball, right? So yeah. they don't know where to get a resource because they don't, if you were to say, Hey, all you coaches out there, they, they're not even raising their hand as a coach yet, right? Like, no, I'm a dad that's coaching my six-year-old how to play T-ball. You know, oh. that's a, these are a lot of good points, man, because I see it all the time. You know, I stepped away from high level coaching a long time ago, got into my sales career. Once I had my first child, wanted to be home more right now. I have three kids right now. I'm home a lot. You know, I'm a medical device sales rep and then I run this show. And so I'm here. Yeah. But the one thing that I notice, and, and I, and I think I attribute it to this and I want to know where you, what you think the major issue is when it comes to how many people here have coached and nobody raises their hands. Well, how many people are just dads and they, I'm here though. I'm here for my kid. First of all, it takes a, a, a shit ton of courage. Okay. Oh. And, and I, and I respect it. But for me, I'm wondering is the lack of qualified coaches due to this game has evolved in, in such a way that sometimes can bring negative light uh, to the little league field that, you know, baseball dudes like me sometimes are just embarrassed to be on the field by what kind of the shit that goes on in the stands, what goes on with the other coaches. They don't know the fucking game and they're yelling. Was it you that posted that, um, that that third base coach and I go that dude's an ass hat. Period. Was that was that you? 
I've, I posted that. There, there was something else that happened the other day. Like, this happened this summer with our 13U team. There was a guy coaching third, and in between games was doing a little uh, drinking some beverages. Jesus the Christ. The makes a call, and the guy punches him right in the jaw, blows his jaw up. The guy was like 75-year-old umpire who's umpiring because he loves umping. I mean, the – the ambulance had to come take the guy out. And I was like, you saw this, your kids saw this. See, 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 this is this. I'm goosebumps again. This is why I'm so happy you're on the show because these are real life accounts. You see shit on social media all the time about these coaches going after umpires and, 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 and parents going after umpires, yada, 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 all this shit. And then all of a sudden you see, you know, a kid dropping F bomb at an umpire guilty as charged before. Sorry, but I struck out three times with bases load in one game. I was telling somebody to fuck off. I didn't care. I was terrible that game, right? So I threw my bat across the field. But the bottom line is this. Those children on that field, whether they were on the side fields, just observing the ambulance coming, the, probably the police, right? And all this stuff. And the kids that were on the field, your team and the other team, they're going to be impacted by that the rest of their lives. And there is no place on a baseball field. Listen, it is highly competitive. But what, yeah. what the fuck have we come to, man? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and it's crazy because you're like, you know, we back in like 2005, we brought Brian Kane in. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, back he's then, awesome, like mental dude. Performance coach, mental conditioning, yeah. top of the line. Dope. Nobody yeah. came. Nobody came. And I'm like, I had to pay people to come listen to him. They're like, we don't need that. And But then on the same breath, they're like, I don't know why my son throws his stuff all over the place after. I'm like, that's what we're talking about. Dude. Right, like I hope some of you guys are listening. I hope some of you guys are listening because I'm calling you guys out right now. If you ever say I don't need to listen to Brian Kane, you're an asshat. And it's like the same dad that's in the stands. Like I don't know why my kids gets all frustrated. Meanwhile, the kid strikes out. The dad's taking his hat off. He's slamming on the ground. Like, dude, look in the mirror, bro. You're modeling behavior. Like, there's your mini me all the time. And we're like, (laughs) okay, parents. You're wondering why your kid does X, Y, and Z, you know, because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's yeah. the bottom line of it, you know, and it's like, so the kids, like you said, they they watch the coaches. They see what they're doing. How do they react to the umpires? How do they react? To, and then they just do the same thing. Like, they, they don't know any different. Mm-hmm. And then we want to pitch and moan when they are doing the same things that we're doing. So it's like, coaches, respect the game, respect each other, respect, like, what's going on, because that's what is teaching the kids. So that's why we feel it's so important to work with the grassroots coaches, not the guy that's coaching 14. You're like, he already knows what he's doing. And the kid already Hopefully. loves <laughs> That eight-year-old doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. And he can't have a coach that's just going to scream and yell and why are you missing the ball? Keep your head. Like that kid's like, there's way too many other things to do out there, like playing video games or other sports that are way more active than TikToking. TikToking. You mean blogging? Yes. <laughs> Fucking so, TikTok. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Like, where do you think this comes from, man? Um, what is your what is your guesstimation of why we're here? Why are we here uh, in athletics like this right now with people fighting each other? Where do you think the pressures come from? I I think it, it's almost like you were asking before. What's why does the guy that doesn't even play the game why does he coach? And it's like, well. Think about this. If you were asked to go do something in front of 12 kids, in front of 12 parents with cameras, they're judging you. They're going to have an opinion. They're going to wonder why their kids aren't playing. 
and you don't really know what you're doing, why in the world would you raise your hand to do that? Yeah. Nobody's doing that. No yeah. one's going to go somewhere and put themselves out there when they, they, they have no tools to succeed. Right. So, but then you do get the guy that Johnny's like, come on, daddy, will you please coach? We need a coach. So of course you're like, okay, I'll try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like, it's stressful though. Yeah, you know, like yeah. you're not just coaching the game. You're coaching the other 12 parents of how come Johnny's not pitching? Why isn't he playing shortstop? Why did he sit, sit out two innings? And these coaches are like, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure this out as I go. So yeah. getting them the tools for that, I think is so important. And that's how we created all these online courses to help T-ball coaches and first time coaches. And here, download these free practice plans and field utilization charts. And, you know, we have over a thousand drills all over, you know, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, like here, free stuff. Like just go Love look it. at our stuff and just learn. So yeah. th- that's kind of how we're like giving back to it, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's a great thing, man. Too many people want something, right? They want they want something from people. And what I've noticed is you're putting a lot of free content out there. Like you said, practice plans, you know, field utilizations, anything that you can possibly think of. Like to me, that's all valuable information. If you want to learn how to coach, right? Go, go, go look at these types of things because, you know, it is hard. And anybody in the right mind is going to be very anxious about hopping on a baseball field and, and being responsible for coaching the youth especially these six and eight year olds, you're literally the first, you're the, you're the first line for them to see like, okay, do I like this game or not? Right. And then parents are the second line. Like what am I, what's my experience? Is it high level stress? What is it? The one thing that I see and, and, and I, and let's get into it. Okay. I see back in the day when I played and when you played, maybe we had American Legion, maybe we might play summer ball. We definitely weren't playing fall ball. Right. And, but now, you know, and again, like Ben Ford, don't hate me for this. I love you, man. Like your organization is genius. You have a, a, you you and your family are amazing entrepreneurs. What's happening is all these players are going to perfect game showcases and maybe they go to a showcase where maybe there's not, maybe all the dudes aren't there and they get this email or they go on the website and they see the ranked fifth in this showcase. Now, all of a sudden Johnny's dad thinks he can go play at fucking LSU. Well, your, your kid's a five o'clock hitter when the disco lights are on, he can't do it. I see that right now as a big problem. What are your thoughts? Big because there's so many rankings everywhere. You can figure out a ranking system Mm -hmm. that your son might look good in. Right. If there's one that you're not, then you're going to keep on going. And I mm-hmm. tell guys all the time, listen, if you throw 78 miles an hour today, <laughs> you're still going to throw 78 miles next weekend. Yeah. So to pay yeah. 500 bucks to go to a showcase and I'm all for going to things and doing sure. stuff like all for it. But there's also something that has to be said about putting in the work to get to 82 or 83, putting mm-hmm. in the time, putting in, you know, doing other things than just, well, maybe. Let me just, I have to just, you know, what's my exit velo? You know, what's my arm velo? What am I? It's like, bro, like there's training that has to go involved in it. Not just what are my numbers? Okay, that's great. But now how do I improve my numbers? Yeah. What do yeah. I do to improve it? And that's the word work. I have to yeah, take how about action. That? Yeah. I have to put something into it to get something more out of it. It doesn't yeah. just happen. The more events I go to, some people will raise ranks just Oh, wait, this is his fifth event. We got to give him a, we got to throw him a little bit of a bone. Hey, this guy's got to, well, then the kids, then what? Yeah. I mean, the the reality is, the reality is it's marketing, 
Okay. And it, and it's, and it's great. And it's genius. I think it gives, you know, kids a great opportunity to play a lot of baseball, which I love. And I love it for that. But I think there's also a fine line of exposure and being exposed. Right. So when, you know, to me, and this is something that I go through, my son is nine and he's very raw, but dude, the get, the kid gets in the slot and his bat path is flat through the zone. It's there a long time, but he hasn't figured it out yet. Right. He's nine. I'm not putting him on travel in travel ball yet. I'm not burying him in lessons yet. He's nine. Let's continue to let him love the game. I'm going to teach him as much as I can. Right. Um, as long as he'll let me, you know, teach him because right. I'm dad. I don't know shit. Right. And and then from that point, we, we turn up the dial a little bit. Right. But I'm just seeing so much pressure on these young kids to be perfect, to go to these showcases and it's almost like in the, in these poor parents, I don't think it's keeping up with the Joneses or anything like that. Dax, you know what I think it is? I think they truly believe that they have to do it or their child will not go to college and play baseball. A hundred percent. That's I, fucking I heavy that. dog. It's almost like when we were growing up, it's like, okay, we had a bat and five kids shared the bat. Nowadays, yeah. oh, yeah. you have a bat, oh, it's a $500 bat. If I got to give you the edge, here's mm -hmm. a $500 bat. And, oh, Johnny just got the $600 bat. So I'm going to – so it almost like there is a piece that's keeping up with the Joneses, right? Like yeah. we didn't get those elements. It was like, hey, you just played. Now yeah. it's like, oh, you have to have the top equipment in order to play. Oh, yeah. you have to – it's like, why? And kids love still playing with their friends. I don't yeah. care how old you are. Yeah, when a man. kid's eight or nine, like your son, like there, it is a thing that they're playing with their buddies and they're getting, they don't need to go and be on the best travel team. The mom or dad want them to be on the best travel team, but that kid doesn't even care about being on the best travel team. He wants to be on a team that Johnny's on and Mighty's on. And when they go in the hallway, they're talking and high five. And like, yeah. you know, there's a time and a place for that to happen. Or there's yeah, some towns know. maybe that there are no rec ball and you have to play travel in order just to play baseball. Yeah. But, so many people are taking the kids off of teams and they're on five teams in four years. And you're like, okay, maybe it's not the teams that are, are the problem. Yeah, if, yeah. It's like someone that's, that's in their fifth job in three years. You're like, okay, did they all stink? They all had the same issue or is it the family or the, like what's going on here? And I think parents don't think that's a real thing. Yeah. And it so is a real thing. And coaches look at that. And they ask those questions. What team are you on? Well, last year I was on this team and this year I'm going to, oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, it can go that way into like when you get to be 14, 15 years old and the, the recruiters start coming out, right? And they're at these tournaments. So they start to notice, hey, you can play a little bit. You're scrappy, kind of a baseball rat, you know, gap to gap power, whatever. Maybe you can hit a backside double and repeat it. Not a lot of power, great arm, decent speed. This is your fifth travel ball team in two years. I mean, kids and, and parents, listen to this, please listen to this. What that shows them is that you are going to leave their school the moment you do not get the favorable reaction from a coach. Because guess what, guys, when you get on the field, it is going to be completely different than when they recruited you. These college coaches are going to be like the nicest guys. Like, dude, when I was recruited by LSU, it was the, the most pleasant experience. And I was just like, this is great. I made it. I got there and total Thomas is have us playing long toss with no fucking glove. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, this is the worst pain I've ever been in. And right away, you know, I didn't have the best mindset, right? I went completely sideways and, you know, I got injured and it took me two years to get back on the field. 
you know, and, and it just was what it was, but you know, kids and parents, you need to listen that what you do right now is going to follow you and it's going to follow your son. Yeah. You know, you gotta be better. You know what else I think is a good point to that. It's like parents want to create such a perfect environment, right? A perfect environment. Then all of a sudden when something doesn't go right Mm -hmm. now, what happens? Mm -hmm. You know, like you just said, you, you go to LSU, you're like loving it. The guys are, you don't have the white gloves on and treating you perfect until something isn't. Well, how do you even deal with that afterwards? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, you know, a kid that when he strikes out, the parents going like this, the kid, Oh my, why are you giving up a home run? How did you strike out? It's like, dude, like you're teaching them to deal with adversity like that. Yeah. That they should stress out over it and it's wrong. And it's bad. Well, you better not play the game or any yeah. sport or do anything in life because yeah. you're going to get these all day long and it's okay. Hey buddy, get them next time. Hey buddy, let's go get your glove and let's go play some defense. Like that's how you have to teach them yeah. how to just bounce back. Right. Everyone, everyone wants a kid, a player that has the bounce back factor. You have to have short mindset, like a goldfish. So what next bitch? Mm-hmm. Oh, I already yeah. forgot what happened. Boom. Let's go yeah. next ball, next ball. Or you have that kid that's just, you know, the worst teammate. Oh, you can tell that he struck out all over his sleeve and he's going to go oh. for three. The entire game because he's already you know what's going to happen. It's yeah, like, he's crying as a million times. Yeah, and it's trying to reteach that in the kids as a coach. Like, hey, you know, I do things you'll see in my drills. Like, I'm challenging these guys. I know I'm doing things that they can't do. I'm mm-hmm. throwing velocities on a machine that that kid can't hit, and mm-hmm. all I want to do is foul it off to be like, okay, I fouled one off. Ooh, that time I barreled it a little bit. Yeah. Ooh, that time. And now you're like, look. So when we face that guy at 12 years old throwing 70, it's not at least we've seen it before and we know we yeah. can figure it out. Yeah. Right. So it's like trying to build that into the into the kids to where it's like, man, there's nothing that I can't do. It's not going to be easy, but mm-hmm. I know how to attack it. And I think I love that because, you know, as a baseball player, when you're growing up, you're always exaggerating in drills. Right. And and I don't think I don't think, you know, velocity is mutually exclusive. I don't think, you know, a nasty hammer on a pitching machine is mutually exclusive. I think you challenge them in practice and make it fun to the point where when they get in the game, they're able to do the one thing that we always ask our players, slow the game down. If you don't put them in pressure field situations in practice, how do you expect them? And this all goes back down to practice planning. And we can get into that is if you are having a practice where you do indie defense, you know, pitchers are doing PFPs infielders are maybe flipping some DPs. Maybe they're, you know, doing some bunties and you got catchers doing receiving. And then you go into maybe a quick team D and then a BP for the rest of the time. Where's the pressure? Where, where's the pressure? And, and, and again, like, I'm not saying pressure has to be a bad thing. So the people that are watching and listening, like pressure is a great thing. It is a blessing. Diamonds aren't formed without pressure. So on a baseball field, in a practice, in a controlled setting, you need to apply as much appropriate pressure as you possibly can. So that way, when the game comes, man, you can just let it fly. Where is that now? It's like the instincts, right? It's like, I remember coach Rhodes, you'd be like, okay, infield, <laughs> Ichiro Suzuki's running. So you knew as an infielder, okay, he's getting down the line in 3.3 seconds. And all of a sudden you saw guys bobbling balls because you're trying to go so fast, but Mm -hmm. he trained us at a certain time. Like these are the different time clocks that need to happen. Okay. Now you got the number four hitter and he's a 4.8. Now -hmm. let's get our feet underneath us. Let's field the ball. Let's get our shuffle in. Let's now let's 
So there was always something that had that pressure involved. So you're doing your routine. Okay, now we're going to put the pressure on it. Now we're going to kick it back to routine. Now we're going to put, right? So that you can have fun during the game. Yeah. Practice was training. Yes. Practice was work. I always say practice is my time as a coach to get you guys to where you need to be. And then the game is for you to have fun. And I'm just giving you high fives and doing whatever. And whatever you don't do well, I'm going to drill you hard in practice next week. But it's not going to be, come on, Johnny, let's go. Like, Dude, you didn't no, do it. You didn't get it done. That. You didn't get it done. It doesn't matter. It's funny because I talked to my son. He, you know, he struck out um, w- one of the very last games. It was a playoff game. You know, he's not, like I said, he's nine. He comes up and he's, and he's like wanting to cry so bad. And he comes to me because I was coaching first base. I said, son, you got to get in the dugout. It wasn't a strike. It was a ball. I go, what about the first two? It's like, I'm just asking, right? Here, here's what I want you to understand, son. I go, you're not going to do it every time. What I expect you to do is to go in there and cheer on your teammates and then go out in the go out in the field, whether you're at third base, second base, or left field, make a play, man. Contribute some other sort of way. And and to go back to your Ichiro comment, it's funny because you're you're painting this storytelling picture of what you know Dusty Rhodes would do. And guys, if if you don't know who Dusty Rhodes is, he's you know an old time UN University of North Florida coach. Guy's awesome, one of the nicest dudes I know. Bob Shepard is one of my best friends, by the way. Really? Yes, Shep. Yes. Um, I used to do camps with him, my boy, Josh core, uh, down in the keys, like every summer. Anyway, I digress. So, um, you're talking about each row in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, is there a trail runner? Is there, is there a lead runner? Now he's a trail runner. If I bobble the ball, can I, can I do an arm pump and can I go backside play? Right. There's always other things to really work on in these practice field situations that if you just do it there, like the game is just easier. And I mean, the, the things that I see, you know, in, in little league development now, you know, Duke, it just really concerns me. Yeah. You know what I liked about what you said about, you know, your son struck out, you know, um, when I first started coaching, you know, my son was nine years old, he was eight, but you know, the team was nine and they're, they're playing. Right. And I'm like, the, the tears was just a thing. And I was like, it got me so far. I'm like, stop crying. Like, mm-hmm. like, don't. And then I would watch a game. The other team, they're two best guys. The number three guy smokes a rocket at the third base. When he catches it, tears start coming down. The number four hitter gets up, rips a ball, tears. Are going. I'm like, wait a second. There's something to this. All the mm-hmm. best guys are the ones that are showing the emotion. And since they're so young, they don't know how to, because they feel like they let their team down. They feel yeah. like they're, they're so intense that tears were the only way that a young kid. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop saying stop crying because nobody ever stopped crying by saying stop crying. Nobody cry ever more. felt better by saying stop, get out of a bad attitude. Like, or, you know what I mean? Smile. When, yeah. Like, so I said, listen, you can cry all you want. I said, but you better be on the fence, shaking it and cheering on a teammate. Yeah. You crying. Be okay. In the corner while yeah. you're crying. That's not okay. But if yeah. you're going to cry and cheer on your friend because you can't help it, I don't care. You can cry all you want. I'm not going to I'm not going to stop you from having those feelings because you're a bulldog and you're a stud player. Like, yeah. but I'm going to teach you how to go how to just you know, the second part of it like you just said, grab your glove and what go steal do? some hits. What are you going to do? Like like that's yeah, go steal some hits, man. Like go cover some ground. But the, the thing is like to your point, like the crying doesn't bother me. Like I my son can cry all day when he strikes out or, or whatever, or whatever he, you know, something bad happens. He doesn't do well, cry. 
But what I cannot stand, and, and, and to your point, I think this is where you're going with it too. I can't stand the player that is crying mid-inning and shuts down on his team and doesn't make plays. Like, And then all of a sudden, oh. like one jam job behind the dish, and he's crying, oh my God, I need to come out of the game. No, motherfucker, you're hiding now. Now you're hiding because you're weak-minded. And I don't care what age. You know, the, the problem lies, though, that and you can't blame the kids. You know, these children act this way because they're afraid of disappointing their parents. Dude, you're going to love this story. So now my son's 10. My other son, I, I have four kids, three boys. So so Tyler's on deck and one of the kids gets hit. And I'm coaching third base, gets hit, goes in the ground. And you would have thought that he got shot by a gun. The coaches came flying out like ice packs the kids balling like the coach like do you want to come out of the game do you want i was like like what is going on here so the game was over i said to the coach i said listen if another kid gets hit we are not gonna say a word we're gonna say hustle down to first Mm -hmm. the first baseman's gonna check them out and we're gonna continue there's no somebody's running for you or you're coming out of the game because you got hit by a baseball because then they're gonna think that it's, it's such bad. A bad thing that just yeah. happens all the time. So my son's up, gets freaking smoked in the chin, right? Gets smoked in the chin, goes down like a rocket. I, as a dad, wanted to go like run the check on him, right? Can't do a word. I stopped. I'm like, let's go, Ty, hustle down. He got up, dusted himself off, ran to first base, like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, yeah. And I'm like, no, that's what you need to do in anything in life. Like, you dust yourself off, you get back up, you hustle down, yeah. and you know, like, you. Right. So, so you're like, I, the kid's going to be scarred forever. The, kid, the first kid goes down. The coaches, the oh, coaches almost caught him man. before he fell on the floor. He never so fast. It's so funny, it's dude. Like, like you're going to love this one too. So like you ever seen the movie, um, meet the parents. Yes. Where, where she gets smoked the fucking volleyball and the mom runs in and like pretty much walks on the water and she flails around everywhere. So dude, like <laughs> my wife, <laughs> My son learned he has an absolute rocket this year. Okay. He's playing center field and this kid hits a ground, you know, base hit and the kid was slow. He comes up on it and chooches it on a line to first base. And I'm like, holy shit. What was that? I was like, okay, you got your daddy's arm. And he just buckled, bro. He buckled like his back. I mean, like, it was a lot of exertion, right? I mean, you're not, he wasn't used to that type of exertion with his body. And I see my wife sprint to the sprint to the uh, snack shack to get ice. And I looked at my, the guy I was coaching with. I'm like, you keep my wife off this fucking field. I'm going to go check on him. He's fine. I get five steps out. She's got the bag of ice and she's like trying to climb the fence. I go do your job, man. And like, it's just so funny because like, like, dude, if you, if, if you go out there for a little, like, like you said, like every little thing, like you, as a baseball guy, you know, if someone's really hurt, right? Like, you know, like if a ball jumps off a bat and hits a pitcher in the face, I'm out there in two seconds because that could end his life. Right. But yeah, he ended up, you know, it was, it was hurting him. Right. But you know, we threw some, some, uh, some all natural tiger bomb on him that night. And he was fine. He didn't come out of the game. It wasn't even an arm that he hurt. It was his back. 
You just fucking hosed it, dude. So, I mean, but to your point, man, like we got to make sure that when we're training these athletes and coaching these young baseball players, that we're creating strong kids. Because if you take that tool out of their tool belt to deal with that injury adversity, they're not going to be shit in life. They're going to get hit in the mouth when they're adults and they're going to buckle and they're going to be homeless. I mean, that's an extreme, right? But the point is, like when 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 things get tough, you have to dial in and you have to work through the pain. Definitely, definitely. In our latest course that we did is our uh, mental performance course. And it's, again, all the courses that we're designing are for the coaches to help them with the players, right? So if you have a mm-hmm. nine-year-old, like you're trying to teach them how to, rip the wrapper off the bat on a bad swing. So it cleans it up and it's almost like ready to go again. Right. Or, you know, flush it when something bad happens so they can kind of reset themselves or, Mm -hmm. you know, talking to a kid about the mental side to help them overcome something that happens. So it's like creating that environment of like the mental side. So the parents need to, to kind of buy into that too, though, because Mm -hmm. them, you know, shaking the fence and doing this after a bad strikeout or, you know, coaches throwing clipboards. It's like, the the kid's gonna you know it's just gonna totally crumble like you're saying when those situations happen so creating that environment to help them teach the kids hey no problem let's go or you know just trying to really reinforce the positive things so what good happened today you robbed two play yeah you went over three today but you know you tagged up you got a runner over you made that sick diving play at shortstop you there's so much more to the game than just how many hits did you get you know how about did the team win Right. Yeah, how about that Nowadays, one? When we played, it was like, how was the day? Oh, we lost. You never said, oh, the, it was great. I went over. I went, I went three for three with two dubs. Well, how'd your team do? Yeah, we lost. But no. nowadays kids just say what they did. Yeah. We used to be, we used to be, if we lost, it was a bad game. Why do you think that is? Where does that come from? I think it comes from, like you were saying, like stats. Everybody has game changer now. Oh, Johnny's batting 330 and, you know, Sean's only batting 310. Why is Sean batting third and my son's batting sixth? Yeah. It's like yeah. everyone has has data supporting instead of saying, yeah, but Sean's hitting balls on the screws and little Johnny's getting these little dinker hits. Like yeah. there's a difference. It's not just stats. It's not just yeah. numbers, but kids see the numbers everywhere. Yeah. You know, we didn't worry about the numbers. Like we just, we just did everything we could to get the team to win and we won. Oh, what are you hitting? I have no idea. Nowadays it's like, Oh, if I go over three today, I'm going to go down to two ninety. Oh, if like everything's already calculated. Yeah. They're, they're, oh, they calculate the batting average. Rates. Yeah. You know, dude, like, I think there's a lot of that. And then also too, it's like the showcase mentality. Yeah. You know, it's, it's no longer, it's no longer, you know, team it's yeah. I, I, me and fill in the blank after that. We know what that means, right? Baseball people listening know what I was about to say, but you know, the, it's just, it's a thing where I think the showcases are good. I'll keep going back to it. I think they're great if you're a player, but if you're walking around the, the halls of your high school, you're not the best player in your high school, much less the best player in, in, in your tri-county area. Why are you flying to Florida to go to the, the BCS? Like why? Like you're just going to get exposed and then, you know, what's going to happen, you know, your team's going to get boat raced right in the pool play. You're not going to give a shit. Fuck man. I went two for two with a bomb. I'm the guy. No, you're just creating distance between yourself and the rest of the team. But like, to me, I just think that I, I just think it, it's it, as good as it is for the game, for these kids to play and those things. I think it also hurts them if they are given the wrong mentality. Uh-huh. A hundred percent. And I think it's, there's so much, I always have three rules. 
we always it's hustle attitude and effort right like you got to give what you can control but then there's the whining and complaining and the excuses i'm like there's no whining ex- there's no making an excuse i don't want to hear ah, i thought it was a ball well you, guess what you're out like yeah. he called you out it's a strike so it was close enough there's two strikes that, but you're, you're not blaming everyone wants to blame everybody else for so we had a rule that we did this year and that is if anyone goes like this we have to drop and get five push-ups the coaches do it the kids do it because what does this mean it wasn't my fault mm-hmm. i don't know i didn't do it so that's automatically a negative like for everybody else like this means like it's not my so now we all yeah. do it if a yeah. coach does it five push-ups the whole team drops down so it's like you know what awesome. we're gonna figure out that we gotta take accountability for ourselves for whatever it is you know like no matter what we're doing look in the mirror coaches like if your kids are all doing something and you don't like it and everyone's co- like you're doing something wrong yeah. you're not you're not teaching it you're not you know i always have a notepad and it's like like all the coaches all the coaches out there you know you, you have a game you're writing down many notes that's my practice plan these are the things we did wrong in the game these are the things that we did well so i'm gonna we're, we'll talk about those but these things that we didn't do well our practice plans already set up for us yep. we're gonna grind it out guys and here's what we're gonna do it's my job as a coach to prepare you for what we need to do if you're not doing rundowns i'm not yelling at the kids i'm yelling yeah. at myself to go i'm not doing I'm it not, enough. yeah it's on me it's on me and then you do this and you got to do five push-ups right five it's push-ups. like i mean here's the thing it's like that's a great point dude because there's a lot of coaches out there that'll yell and scream post game about the things that the players did shitty. And this is, you know, you know, high school level. And then, you know, some of the 15, 16 use stuff and it gets a little aggressive, but you know, but then there's no follow-up on working with the things that they need to work on. So I I think it's important. And you talk a lot, lot about building a good culture and environment and player development. So walk the audience through that. And some coaches that may be listening and struggling to, to implement that in their program. Because to me, a program that is disciplined, a program that has coaches that hold themselves accountable to good practice and preparation for the players wins. Yeah. Period. So how have you been able, you and and the people that you surround yourself with been able to implement that within your organization and your business? I, I think, I think it all started with, with coach Rhodes and with these coaches that, that taught us that, culture starts with the coach mm-hmm. right when you go out there if it was six o'clock in the morning coach Rhodes was already on the field manicuring the field making sure there wasn't a sunflower seed in the dugout making sure so you when you went onto that field he would always say i want it just as clean when you leave mm-hmm. as you found it when you got here so you yeah. already knew like that's the standard there was yeah. no well i didn't know no the, the standard set already yeah you know like so i think that coaches need to communicate with their players what they expect what mm-hmm. are the rules what are their standards right like we're going to respect the game we're going to respect the other team so if you respect the game there's no jogging down to first base on a ball you're busting down the line as fast as you can there's no so all so every aspect so we don't have a thousand rules we just have standards that mm-hmm. make their own rules right like you know what those are. And the kids would know if that kid jogged down and I took him out of the game, he knew why. And so did the mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't like, how come you took Johnny out? Okay. Ask Johnny. He'll tell you why. Yeah. Well, I hit the fly ball on it. So, so I think that creating a culture starts with the coach and it starts with upholding to, to those standards, right? I call it dropping the mic. Cause it's mm-hmm. easy when the number four hitter comes five minutes late and you're like, 
turning your eyes to the other side. Oh, hey, I'm glad everybody's well, here. I, yeah, Whoa, I didn't see you. To, but then yeah. the number 12 hitter comes in late and you're trying to make an, uh, an example of him. Okay, you're going to sit the first three innings because you came late to the – so many coaches do it backwards. you got to yeah. make the example of the best kid so that they all have to do the same exact thing. You have to – you know, so I think that over time I've created a, an environment and these, and these standards that, hey, if you're going to play, this is what we're going to do, mm. you know. And we always take two leaders a week that lead everything. They lead the warm-ups. They lead the stretching. They lead the BP. They make sure all the balls come out of the – of the uh, of the cages, they the, they lead the warm up in between infield outfield. Then they come get me when they want infield outfield. They make sure that when they when we're done with the game, they're picking up the dugout and making sure all the other guys are doing it. So now it's like you're building leaders, right? So now everyone's listening because when they're the two leaders next week, they're going to want everybody to listen to them with yeah. what they're doing. And now you you'd be amazed to be like, wow, so and so Johnny's a damn good leader out there. I didn't think he was going to be. Or yeah. you see someone that you thought was, and no one's listening to him. And you're wondering why, like, there's so many yeah. cool things to that. Instead of so many coaches want to, everything's my way. It's yeah. my rules. You're going to do it this way. This is, a, I always go, listen, you guys, you're the team. And I'm helping create you so mm -hmm. that when you are in middle school and you're hustling and doing all these things, that coach is going, dude, this guy's a baller. Like, I need this guy. Not yeah. a guy that needs, okay, what am I supposed to do, coach? Okay, coach, where am I supposed to? Who wants that? Who wants that in the workplace? Who wants that on the baseball field? Like you want guys that are like, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. Communicating, talking, listening to the, the players, right? The other day we did a sick practice and I was like, okay, we didn't do, we didn't tag up well. We didn't do rundowns well. And our pickoffs were, eh. So I said, you guys are going to run the stations today. Here's what I want to have done though. Three of you guys are going to be here. One guy's taking the tennis racket and hitting the fly balls to the outfielder. And the other guy's going to tag up and you guys are going to work it yourselves. You hit the fly ball. He catches it. The other guy runs back, tags and goes at second base. I had two guys in the middle and one guy saying, go the shortstop would run. The kid would throw the ball. He would catch and tag and they'd rotate around at first base. I had one guy in the mound, one guy as the runner and the other guy was the first baseman. So he was working on pickoffs. And so I had all 12 kids were running their own stations and it was sick. And I told the coach, I said, listen, this isn't going to be perfect, mm -hmm. right? Like, don't even talk to them if they're, if they're doing things wrong, but let them watch what happens. And now it was like, dude, we were working on pickoffs. We were working on running, tagging. We were working, we were working on so many things, but so many coaches want to like, you're doing it like this instead of giving the kids, let the, listen to what the kids want to do. And that's mm -hmm. how they're going to have fun. And we got tons of work in. Yeah, it was, it got a little, you know, they didn't do everything perfect, but. It was like, messy. Like, that was the best practice ever, dad. That was so no. fun. We like, okay, maybe I need to do that once every other week, you know, mix in some, some of that stuff, you know? So I think we need to listen more to our players instead of dictating what happens. That's huge, man. I, I respect that so much because you're giving them that extreme ownership and autonomy to run their own program. And with that comes the great pride. And with that great pride comes you know, dynamic performances, it, you know, it, there's no question. And, and I always say this and, and people think I'm crazy. I don't think there's another sport on the face of this earth. And I'll argue it till I'm blue in the face that parallels life as much as baseball does. Because, you know, in football, if you're 30% success, success rate, like you're done, 
you suck. If you're a goalie and you only block, you know, three out of 10, you're done. You know, if you're a baseball player, you are taught at an early age that failure is your path. And too many kids now and, and adults for that matter in corporate America or, you know, the online space or whatever it is, this F word failure scares the shit out of them. And to me, like if you're in the gym and you're lifting, you know, and Will Smith said this amazing on, on a YouTube video about eight years ago, fail early, fail often, fail forward. Right. And when you're lifting weights, you are shooting for failure. Like you want the last three to be so hard. You need somebody to help you and pull you along. And that's the same thing with baseball. It's the same thing in life. When you're building a business, when you're in a marriage, you're, you're teaching your kids how to be great kids. And also you're teaching yourself how to be a great parent and adult and professionals. Like you have to fail. Let them, let them have the autonomy to fail a little bit and find out what works better. Do you want kids that are empowered or do you want robots? hundred percent. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's perfect right there. That's, that's bro. Shit, man. We should be running. We should be running a team together, man. That'd be sick. Could you imagine these kids would melt down from all the positivity and the high energy? They're like, there can only be one of these motherfuckers. Like I can't have, I can't have French along here. They got to coach on separate teams. <laughs> Oh man, dude, listen, dude, we got to land the plane, but I really enjoyed having you on the show and giving a peek into your philosophy, your coaching style. You talked a lot about your programs and things. I'm going to make sure that I provide the audience with all the links involved so they can go check you out, purchase your courses. Cause for those baseball people listening, even if you're a mom and you have no, and you, and, and this is not even if you're a mom, it sounded so bad. I'm sorry. If you're a mom and you have no desire to coach, but you want to understand the game better, you want to understand how Johnny should be wearing his uniform. You want to understand all the ins and outs by the book, by the book. What was it called again? Taking on the title of coach. I mean, how empowered are you going to feel when you roll up to the baseball park and you know what the hell's going on? My wife, you know, she's uh, from South America and you know, soccer, she understands completely, but you know, baseball, it takes a lot for her to understand, um, you know, and just because it's not, wasn't a part of her culture. So I do the best I can, but I'm, I'm probably gonna have to pick up your book and give it to her, you know, so that way, you know, she always wants to learn, you know, why is this happening? Well, if there's two strikes, why if it's a foul ball, shouldn't you be out? Like just, yeah. Normal things that you think are self-explanatory because you've been around the game so long aren't necessarily so self-explanatory for everybody. But my, my main point is I just want people that love this game to truly dive in to Duke's content, to dive into his courses and, you know, create a movement. Can I get a, can I get a commitment from you guys to help create a movement of positivity of good culture and respectful athletes and respectful parents. No one should go to the field scared that they're going to get hit in the jaw if they're umpiring guys. We have got to do better. We have got to do better, man. Let's go, man. I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. I, I appreciate you. Appreciate you and everything that you're doing, Sean. It's, it's awesome, man. Like I said, I, every time you, every time you pop up on the feet, I have to stop me. Like something good's getting ready to happen right here. <laughs> something good. Some stuff you just keep going. Like, 
uh, let me see what Sean's up to today. Who's he got on now? I'm like, dude, that's, that's good content. I appreciate it, man. I, you know, that's the thing, you know, it's a process, right? I have my process. I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm not that I know everything. I know what I'm doing as far as my process. I know what I need to do. And you know um, your audience. You know your yeah. audience. You know what people are looking for that are watching you in and out of like what's going on, you know. Some yeah. things have just eye candy and people will just stop. And then there's people that know that there's content and education that's leading yeah. into it. So and I and I try, man. I appreciate that because you know, again, you know, I don't get as much hits or likes or comments or shares as some of the eye candy, right? But the bottom line is. I have value just as you do. We're providing educational content for the masses. And to me, the more that we can continue to empower people and support each other in that journey is just vital to everybody's success and the success of young athletes and just online creators in general and coaches. So, um, dude, many thanks to you. And I know you and I will be, you know, chatting again. So until next time, guys, go check out my boy Duke and, uh, if you're out there coaching, thinking about coaching, I want you to think about one thing. It being your responsibility to give some young boy or some young girl the most positive experience in their life. Because guess what? That might be their only experience. Think of that. And I'll talk to you guys soon.